joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. If you would go ahead and open up uh, your Bibles to the book of Job, the book of Job. We're going to spend some time this morning in Job chapters 1 and 2. The, the topic, as you can see on the screen, uh, steadfast integrity, steadfast integrity. And before we uh, dive into our uh, text, uh, we want to uh, first uh, talk about uh, integrity uh, being defined. The first thing we want to think about concerning integrity is that it's a firm adherence to a code of especially moral values. A firm adherence to a code of especially moral values. Not only that, um, but integrity is defined as an implication of trustworthiness and incorruptibility to the degree that one is in, incapable of being false to a trust, responsibility, or pledge. And we want to define that because whenever we look at, at the book of Job, when we think about the character of Job, the person of Job, who Job is, uh, we know that Job went through some great trials and tribulations. And what I want us to do this morning is I want us to go through, we're going to have a little bit of a lengthy read of the text. We're going to read uh, Job chapter 1 in its entirety. We're going to stop and we're going to break that down. We're going to go through uh, maybe not the entire chapter uh, of Job chapter 2, but we're going to look at Job chapter 2. We're going to break that down some, and we're going to um, be making some applications along the way. We're going to be looking at some observations. Uh, maybe you're really familiar with the story of Job. Maybe you're not, but at the end of this lesson, if you have ears that are listening and working, uh, you're going to be a, a lot more familiar with Job. Uh, we're just going to be doing some sort of an overview, but we're going to be focusing on having a steadfast integrity. That's what we want as Christians today to have is that sort of steadfast integrity. So I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. You may be reading from a different translation, and that's okay, but we're going to begin Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one in, of his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons... Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. 
Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up all the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took, and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head And he fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Now, we talked about before we dove into the reading of that text, if Job chapter 1 defined integrity being a firm adherence to a code of especially moral values and implying trustworthiness and incorruptibility. And Job, we see uh, the text. Well, the first thing that the text says about Job is that he had perfect integrity. We see that in chapter 1 in verse 1. We see that Job had a perfect integrity. And not only does Job have a perfect integrity, but he also, chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that Job loves God and hates evil. That Job has a love for God and a hatred for evil. Not only does Job have perfect integrity and a love for God and 
a hate for evil. But Job also has a large family. The text tells us that he's got seven sons and three daughters. Now, I know some of you have uh, small families. Some of you have big families. I don't know of anybody in this room necessarily. There might be somebody in here that has ten children. Uh, and that's okay, but uh, Job has ten children. And I can't imagine uh, having ten children, but Job had ten children. Seven sons, three daughters. And so he's got, a, he's got a pretty big family. The text also tells us in verse 3 that he's got great possessions. Job has a great wealth. You know, we think about uh, in this day and time, a lot of you already are aware because you've heard me say it before. Maybe you're even customers at the bank that I work at, that I am a universal banker at First National Bank here in Haleyville. Uh, you probably saw my, my picture uh, on the um, digital sign that we have in the employee spotlight. Uh, even if you don't necessarily bank there, it was there for all of last week. But anyway, uh, a lot of times we think about uh, someone being wealthy as somebody that has a lot of money in their bank account. Well, in this day and time, uh, talking about Job's day and time, you were considered wealthy if you had a lot of these different possessions because uh, the the more uh, livestock that you had, the, the greater uh, wealth that you had. But not only that, um, Job, we see the text tells us in chapter 1 and verse 5 that he had a strong devotion to God and to his family. That he had a strong devotion to God and to his family. Now, when we think about that in our own life, God needs to be number one. We all need to have a strong devotion to God above anything else. But like Job, we also need to have a strong devotion to our family. You know, we, we think about uh, the, the acrostic joy, you know, Jesus, others, you. Uh, God first, others, your family would fall under the category of others and then yourself last. Um, but the text also tells us, beginning in uh, verses 8 through 12, that the, that the Lord God allowed Satan to test the integrity of Job. We, uh, that he allowed Satan to test the integrity of Job. You see, uh, if you recall from the reading of the text, that, that Satan had this idea in his head that Job would only serve the Lord because of what the Lord had done for him. And he had this mindset that, you know, well, if, if you take those things away, uh, he will surely curse you to, to your face. And, and what, does, what does God say? Because God knows something that, that Satan doesn't. Uh, God says, oh, really? That, that, that's, that's what you think, huh? Okay. Well, you can take all that he has if you so choose you just can't lay a hand on him. And so what do we see from the reading of the text? We see that not only does God allow uh, Satan to test that integrity of Job, but Job lost most of his family and his great possessions. And I can't emphasize most of his family enough because we see in the text that it says that all ten of his children perished, but his wife remains. So he doesn't lose all of his family. He just loses most of his family. But also from the reading of his text, those possessions, that great wealth, it's gone because one by one, you've got a servant. This happened and then this happened and this happened and it's gone. And I alone am here to tell you. 
But through all of that, we see that Job clung tightly to God and to his perfect integrity. The text tells us that that Job, it's not that he doesn't have sorrow for the things that happen. It's not that he doesn't care about any of the events that have taken place. He does. But his relationship with God is more important than the things that he's just lost. And he clings tightly to God and to his perfect integrity. Now I told you that we were also going to take a look into chapter 2. So let's keep reading. Hopefully you kept your Bible open and marked to the the book of Job chapter 1. Well, we finished chapter 1. Now we're going to look a little bit into chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, Job chapter 2. Uh, says this, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job. Now I want to stop there just for a second. This sounds awful familiar if you're if you're if you're a casual reader and you're not paying close attention, you kind of think, well, didn't I just read that just a page back? You know, is is this not just a repeating? But you you forget, you know, chapter 2 begins with the word again. So this is not something that happened once. It happened at least twice. So picking back up, uh, say, uh, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, uh, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity. Although you incited me against him, to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. Then Satan went from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he, talking about Job, said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Some things that we need to look at. Uh, The Lord again allows Satan to test the perfect integrity of Job. He reminds Satan that uh, you you incited me about him and, and you had your way with him once before, 
But pay attention to what I say about him. He is still this blameless and upright man. He is still this man with a perfect integrity. He is still an individual that serves me, that loves me, that holds fast to me. And Satan's response, his reply is simply, well, I'll give you that, but that was only because you didn't let me... um, You didn't let me have my real way with him. You didn't let me uh, touch him. If 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 I if I if I take his health, if I if I go deeper, then surely he will curse you to your face. And so, what do we see? We see um, that Job is smitten. God says, "Done." He's smitten with with these sore boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his foot, but that he still continues to cling tightly to God and to his perfect integrity. And one of the things that we mentioned from chapter 1 is that he lost most of his family, having his wife being the only one left behind. And what does she do? Of all people, you would think that she would be right there Comforting him, consoling him, loving on him. But no, what does the text tell us that she does? She goes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, I can't imagine saying that to anybody. I cannot imagine being on the receiving end of having that being said to me by anyone, much less a family member much less my spouse, my helpmate. But that's what happens with Job. But he still continues to cling tightly to God and to his his perfect integrity. Now that brings us to some questions that we need to ponder. The first question being, what is the purpose of trials and temptation? And the second question for us to ponder and us to think about is how should we respond to trials and temptations. How should we respond to trials and temptations? We're going to take a break from Job for a moment, and we're going to flip over to the New Testament. Specifically, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. James in chapter 1, again, I'm reading from the New American Standard. James says this in chapter 1, verse, beginning in verse 2. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Trials and temptations are meant to strengthen us. They are meant to strengthen us. Us. Not only that, when we skip on over to verses 12 and 13 of James in chapter uh, 1, James goes on to say this. He says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. God is not the source of our trials and temptations. I'm going to say that again. God is not 
the source of our trials and our temptations, but He does allow them. He does allow them. We see Job chapters 1 and 2 that Job is a blameless and upright man. He fears God. He loves God. He clings God. He loves his family. He is a man's man. He is a godly individual. But yet, God allowed things to happen in his life. I want you to think about this saying that gets brought up from time to time. Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, the next time that, that, that somebody says that to you or you hear somebody say that, I want you to think back not only to Job chapters 1 and 2, but I want you to think back to James chapter 1 and what we just read about how God is not the source of trials and temptations, but how He allows them to happen. Not only that, when we go and we think about and we look at Matthew in chapter 6, turn over, if you will, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. In, in his gospel account, uh, Matthew records this uh, concerning the words of Jesus, beginning in verse 19 and going to 21. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, physical possessions pass away, but heavenly treasure lasts forever. And that's something that even Job understood. Even after the first set of trials where he loses all of his possessions, he loses most of his family, he still stands firm in his faith and he stands firm in his integrity with the Lord because he knows and understands, even before Jesus speaks those words, that physical possessions come and go, but heavenly treasure is something that can never be taken away. Not only that, when we continue reading in uh, verses 22 to 24, Jesus says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is this darkness? No one can serve two masters for he... Uh, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, you cannot serve God and wealth. And, and when we think about that in regards to Job, regardless of our circumstances, we must continue to serve God. Regardless of our circumstances, we must continue to serve God. It doesn't matter if you're in a season of good times when it's easy to stay faithful and to serve God or if you're in some of the darkest times of your life, regardless of what circumstance you're in, continue to serve God. Yeah, it's easy to serve God in those good times, but also think about those good times. Is it not a temptation for us to fall under the, the guise of, look at me and look what I've been able to do. 
Look at all of this wealth that I've accumulated. Look at all of these things that I've been able to accomplish. I've gone to school. I've got a degree. I've got a family. I've got children. I've got all of these things. Look at what. It's not about you. It doesn't matter what you think you've done. It's all about Him because He allows you to have it. He gave it. To you, And just like Job said at the end of his first set of trials and tribulations, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 to 34. For this reason I say to you, Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil and do not spin, or nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just like with Job, the Lord is all that we will ever truly need. Just like with Job, the Lord is all that we will ever truly need. You see, it's not a coincidence that whenever Satan would go and and confront the Lord about uh, about Job, whenever the Lord would, would make the statement, have you considered my servant Job? And then Satan, you know, make the statement, well, he only serves you because you've done this for him. You, it, that's, no. You see, the thing that the Lord knew was that Job, although his possessions and his family, just like our possessions and our family, mean something to us, the Lord knew about Job that above that, Job's relationship with the Lord was most important. That is how you, that is how I, that is how we need to be. Our relationship with God. God needs to be the only thing that we are concerned with. Not what's in our bank account or what's not in our bank account. Not what's in our driveway or the house that we live in or or whatever it is that we have. None of those things are as important as the relationship that we have with the Lord God Almighty. Amen? 
I want to hear it again. Amen? There we go. All right. It's even on the screen up there. Good times. We see when we go back and we revisit Job, when we go back and we revisit the account, it doesn't end there. We know that in between that there's his friends that come and and they try to comfort him and there's all of these back and forth. And the only thing that Job really wants to know is why. He wants to know why are these things happening to me. And then at the end of it all, we see Job chapter 42, verses 10 to 13. It says, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him, and they ate bread with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. And again, and each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys and seven more sons and three more daughters. The Lord rewarded the faithfulness of Job by way of restoration. Job's health was restored. Job's possessions were restored. Job's family was restored. Some things that we need to remember, some things that we need to take away from all of this. The number one thing that we need to take away from all of this is that God allows us to be tested. Don't think for one minute because you serve as an elder, because you serve as a deacon, because you serve as a Bible class teacher or a song leader, because you are a member, a baptized believer of the Lord's church. Do not think for one second that your life is going to be full of blue skies and rainbows and that nothing ever bad is going to happen to you. That is not true. You will be tested. There will be trials. There will be tribulations. Those of you that were in my Bible class earlier this morning in here, we talked about the parable of the sower. You need to be like the, 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 the good ground. Having that firm foundation that when those trials and tribulations come, that you're able to withstand that you're able to not be uprooted unlike that rocky ground where it's got the thin soil and when the trials and tribulations come that that you're plucked out. Second thing that we need to remember is that God gives us strength to endure those trials and tribulations. God will give us strength to endure those trials and tribulations. One of the things that we've got to consider when we go back and we examine Job chapters 1 and 2, we know that, yeah, Job had a great love for his family. The text tells us that. We know that he was devoted to his family, but he was also devoted to God. Because there was nothing in Job's life that was more important to God. And 
even in the trials, even in the tribulations that he was going through, even when his own wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Job leans on his faith in the Lord because he gains his strength from the Lord. So should we. Number three, God rewards our faithfulness. God rewards our faithfulness. You see, just like in the life of Job, just like in the story that we've examined this morning, not just from the text of Job chapters 1 and 2, skipping over to Job chapter 42, but also from the examples that we get from the New Testament. As James records it, as, as Matthew records it from the words of Jesus Himself, our faithfulness is going to and will be rewarded. Jesus said that He goes and prepares a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, will I not come back? He is coming back. He will come again. We do not serve God for nothing. We serve God for everything. Because He is our everything. He is the source of every blessing. He is the strength to endure he is the Good Shepherd. He is the Lord God Almighty. Steadfast integrity. An overview of the life and story of Job. The question I want to ask this morning is, when, you, when we consider a steadfast integrity, can we have the same things that, that God said about Job. An, a faithful and upright man, blameless, serving God. If, if Satan came before God and God asked Satan, where have you been? What, what are you doing? And, he, and, he, and, and Satan's response was looking for you know, someone to take. Would God say your name? Would God say, have you considered my servant, insert your name? If not, why not? That's up to you. Just like it was up to Job to have that same steadfast integrity that we're called to have. I, pre I preached, I taught this morning in my Bible class about uh, the, the parable of the soil, how we all strive or how we ought to strive to be that good soil, but that's not always the case. Self-reflection. Do you have a steadfast integrity? Are you that good soil? I pray that you are. I pray that you do. If not, you can change. There's breath in your body. There's air and opportunity right now. What are you waiting on? You see, just like Job had no idea that those things were going to happen on the day that they happened, they still happened. Just like Job had no idea that with his faithfulness to God, with his service, his devotion to the Lord, 
had no idea that on the day that it happened, that that was going to be the day that he lost it. He knew that it was possible. He always knew that it was possible, but he didn't know that it was going to happen that day. Folks, there are people that went to bed last night that had plans for today. They're still there because they didn't get up. Don't let that be you. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus. Which and Twitter. Morning stars began. For the love Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus. Man to man.